So part one and part two of this teaching, I'll be doing this tonight and next week. And the title is Faith Triumphs Over Fear. Will you say that with me? Faith triumphs over fear. That's good news. And today we're going to talk about faith triumphing over fear. Next week, I'm going to share practical ways to um, overcome fear. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us every way to overcome it. We do not have to walk in fear. So tonight we're going to just talk about some general stuff. And then next week is very practical things we can do to fight fear and to overcome fear. This is a big deal. I know... I'm going to share a lot of instances tonight of when I have had so much fear that it was almost debilitating and how God and the Holy Spirit got me through that and on top of it and in victory and in peace and everything else that we need when we're walking through battles of any kind. So we all need to know this truth. It is something I believe that is one of the biggest battles that we have in this world. And it is all a lie of the enemy. It's the deceiver. I'm going to show you that as, we, as I go through this message tonight. The first thing I want to share with you, though, is that there is good godly fear. It's called God-given natural fear. And it's a good thing to have. God-given natural fear is part of our makeup. We have an uh, um, adrenal system that works in our body, and it is a good, healthy function. It serves us very well. A good, healthy, primal, natural fear keeps us safe. It, good, don't go to that picture yet. It keeps us safe and, and from doing stupid things. It keeps a little kid from running out in the street. It keeps um, us from picking up a snake that's, that's dangerous. That is a healthy fear. God gave it to us for a purpose. Now, go ahead and go to that picture. That's our daughter <laughs> on part of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, you, it's not as clear on there as it is on my phone. And she sent me that picture about a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my baby girl. Crazy, isn't she? So I was with her last week, and I knew the thing... Thank God I got the picture after it was taken, and she's off that point, so I knew she was still alive, right? So I asked her last week, we're tri- I, I hiked with her one day, and so I'm hiking through the mountains following her, trying to, trying to follow her, trying to keep up with her. And I said, Megan, when you were on that ledge, were you afraid? She said, I was scared to death. <laughs> she says, let me tell you, Mom, how I did that. She said, I, got, I started about six feet back. She says, I didn't walk out there. She said, I started about six feet back, and I sat down on my butt, and I scooted, scooted to the edge. See her hands behind, well, beside her? She says, I held on, and I yelled at my buddy. I said, okay, take the picture. (laughs) And then I scooted back, scooted back, scooted back, and stood up. She says, yes, it scared the heck out of me, but I had to have that picture because everybody that hikes the Appalachian Trail has that picture. I mean, I've seen that picture now that I know where, what she's doing and where she's going. I've seen a lot of other people. In fact, unbeknownst to me, both my other boys have hiked that same part of the trail, and they sent me their pictures of them in that same spot. 
except they weren't sitting. They were standing back about six feet. They weren't quite as stupid (laughs) as my daughter. But the point I want to make is God gave us fear for a purpose. You know, we don't stand on ledges like that because it's not safe. And when you get that feeling in your gut or wherever you get it in your body that goes, that's God-given natural fear, and it's a good thing. However, there's another fear that isn't good. It's called the spirit of fear. For many of us, that natural fear goes way beyond natural fear into a different kind of fear that the Bible calls the spirit of fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear we're going to talk about tonight, that spirit of fear can put us in bondage. It can cripple us. It can keep us from living the abundant life that Jesus gave us to live. And the danger of receiving that spirit of fear is that it can become a stronghold. It's one of the enemy's um, deceptions, and it can become a stronghold and has the potential to be destructive in our lives. So think about this. I was listening to a teacher the other day, and he said, when Jesus was crucified, the devil thought he had won. He thought, we did it. We destroyed him. We killed him. But they didn't. The enemy didn't. The enemy and his cohorts didn't destroy Jesus. Death could not hold him down. Being in the grave, could not, they couldn't keep him there. They could not destroy him. But... The enemy couldn't, couldn't conquer Jesus, couldn't conquer God. So he tries to conquer the God in us. And fear is one of the ways he does it. Fear is one of the ways that he kept, gets us in a stronghold to keep us from living the abundance of life that Jesus gave us. Fear is an antichrist spirit. I don't mean a capital A, the antichrist. The term antichrist means against Christ. And fear is against Christ because he has every good thing planned for us. We talked um, one of the last times I shared about peace. Peace is what Jesus bequeathed to us. Peace is the opposite of fear. So what I want to do right now is I want to show how that antichrist spirit has taken something really good, which is faith, and he's the enemy has twisted faith to get us to have faith in the negative, to believe in the negative, which is fear. So there's a chart on your paper, and it's a a parallel, a comparison of faith and fear. And you're going to see how the enemy isn't a creator. He can only take what God has already created and twist it and make it, Partially true, but which totally makes it a lie. So I'm even going to say this. Fear is a lie. Fear is deception. So we're going to take this chart one line at a time and look at how closely fear is related to faith and how the enemy has taken faith and twisted it. So the first line says, faith is God's creative power. 
And it results in Jesus' purpose fulfilled, which is an abundant life. So this is the way I, uh, this is my simple way of envisioning faith. Over here is the finished work of Jesus. He already paid for everything. It's done. It's a done deal. And his part is finished. My part is faith. So this is what I envision. I envision faith being like a bridge. So the work is done, and when I believe, it gives access for that finished work to be manifested in me. Notice that I keep pointing to myself, because the part of us, I believe, that really impacts receiving and having faith is our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. We're a three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. I believe our soul is the part that agrees with God or agrees with a problem. And if we are agreeing with God, if our soul is in agreement with God, is in agreement with the finished work, it's like two against one. And whatever the issue of life is, loses. And the, 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 there's access for the Holy Spirit's finished work to be manifest in our life because we're agreeing with God. That's faith. That's faith. And what we're doing is we're agreeing and we're receiving what Jesus came to give us, which is abundance of life. And that's good news. And it's, it's not us on our own. This is the good news. When we have faith, it's, it's a creative power. The Holy Spirit in us is connect, the, the Spirit in us is connecting with the Holy Spirit, and it's all working together. We don't have to do it on our own. Fear, on the other hand, is Satan's destructive power. It's Satan's destructive power. What we basically do is the same part of us, our soul, gets in agreement with the problem. Our mind, our will, our emotions are focused on the problem. And we're going to talk more about words and stuff in a minute. But we're, we're thinking about the problem. We're talking about the problem. We're meditating on the problem. We're all in with the problem. And just like there's a bridge that leads from us to the finished work, fear is the bridge that leads from the destructive work and the enemy's purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. And if we get in agreement with it, it's a bridge. And it's like releases that yucky stuff in our life. There's a scripture in Job, and I don't know where it is, but we've all heard it. It's the one that says, the thing that I feared the most has come to pass. Fear connects that, that road to allow that thing to come to pass in our life. My example of that is unbeknownst to me because I didn't know anything about the word. I didn't know anything about what I'm teaching you. And in my early years, I used to always worry and fear skin cancer. And I talked about it. Stupid. I know it was stupid now, but I didn't know it then. So I would do the sun thing and the tanning thing and the no sunscreen thing, and I'd say, I know I shouldn't do this because I could get skin cancer. I talked about it. I thought about it. And the thing that I feared the most came to pass. My soul was in agreement with the problem, and that bridge was open for me to receive it, and I did. So that's the first line of this chart. Here's the second line. Jesus is the author and developer of faith. 
That's Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus provided everything for our faith to be alive because he finished the work. And he was the perfect representative of the Father, the perfect, um, uh, uh, the, the invisible made visible. So when we see Jesus, it gives us the, the, everything we need to have faith. So Jesus is the author of our faith. He's also the finisher. He's the one that brings it all to completion. When we, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, which is the other part of Hebrews 12 too, it says, look away from all that will distract to Jesus, who's the author and developer of our faith. So when we allow, when we keep our focus on the Jesus as the author and developer of our faith, we're Jesus-focused. That's a good thing. But the opposite happens with fear. Satan is the author and developer of fear. And when we are in that place of fear, we are either inward-focused or we're problem-focused. Fear-focused. And everything, I've been there. I have been so focused on the problem that it's all I can think about. It's all I, I mean, I literally am consumed with the problem. I didn't realize that we had a choice, but we do. I'm going to teach about that next week. We can literally take those thoughts captive and not give them life. We're going to talk about that next week. But I wanted to just show you this comparison between faith and fear. Satan is the author and developer of fear. And when we are in that place of fear, we are inward-focused. We are fear-focused. We are problem-focused instead of Jesus-focused. The third line of the chart. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, which is truth. The word is truth. That's Romans 10, 17. That's, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word. When we hear the word, we're hearing truth. Fear comes by hearing the word of the enemy instead of the word of God, which is lies. It doesn't agree with God. Anything that doesn't agree with God is deception or lies. And that's where fear comes from, when we listen to it. Or even if it's not a lie, it might be a fact, but it still doesn't agree with God. So when I went and I got that stage 4 cancer report, that wasn't God's will. That wasn't in agreement with his word. He said that he came to give us a life of abundance. Stage 4 melanoma wasn't abundance. And that is fear came in. I heard that word. I heard that, that thing that wasn't in agreement with God. And fear came in big time. But that's not where it stops. If that's where it stops, we could maybe put a halt to it right away. But then... Both fear and faith can be developed. So the next line says, faith is developed through meditating on God's truth. So meditation is when we don't just hear good news, but we take that good news and we feed on it. It's, I was, as I was preparing this morning, I was thinking about um, healthy eating. If I eat one healthy meal a month or one, even one healthy meal a week, I'm still probably not going to be very healthy. Same thing with the word. If we hear good news once, or even once a week, 
our faith probably won't be being built up and built up and built up. But when we meditate on the word and take a, a constant, healthy, spiritual diet of the word and let it build us up, and that's what it does. Our faith is built up and we become edified. I love that word. We become built up and strengthened and faith is developed. Another example I like to use is that of exercising. We all have the same muscles in our body, but that doesn't mean they're all in shape and strong, right? Because in order for them to be in shape, we have to exercise them. Faith in the, in, is kind of the same. We need to exercise our faith in order for it to be strong, in order for our faith to be strong. And that happens by meditating on his word. But fear happens the same way. Fear is developed by meditating on the problem. And again, I'm calling it lies because it doesn't agree with God. And it's the enemy's plan. Enemy has taken something really good, which is meditation, and he's twisted it into worry. And fears developed. As we take that problem and we let it just stir in our soul, in our brain, in our emotions, and in all that part of us. The last line of this chart says, faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we can reverse it and say, with faith, God is pleased. Fear does not please God. Hebrews 10.38 says, but my righteous one, That's us, guys. We have been made righteous through Jesus. And he says, but my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. And I believe this is why God loves us. We are loved. We are his children, his dearly beloved children. And I believe the reason he is not pleased when we're in fear is because his will of healing, his will of us living a fulfilled life can't happen when we're in fear. We have a part to play to receive When we have no faith, when we're in fear, God can't fulfill his word in us. He can't fulfill his will in us. Because fear puts us in the the position of receiving the destructive power instead of the the creative power of God. And he doesn't want his kids to to have the stealing, killing, and destroying. He doesn't want the enemy's purpose to be fulfilled in us. And when we're in fear, that's a a possible result. And that doesn't please God. Now, I'm going to say this again. He needs us in order for his will to be fulfilled in us. He needs us to agree with him. He's given us a free will. In order for his will to be manifest in us, we have to believe and receive. We need to agree with him. He needs us for his will to be manifest in us. 
the first time that I heard that, I had to stop and just take it in and write it down and go home and think about that. I was like, what do you mean? God can't do that without me? That's not the way that he's ordained our life on this earth. We have a part to play. He's not pleased when we're in fear because then his will can't be manifest in us. Now, the next thing I want to share with you are two um, different definitions of fear. They're, they're different words, so they, they, that's, they've got different meanings. But they're both translated fear in the New Testament. They're very different, though, and I want to share both of them with you. The first Greek word is phobio, and I'm sure it's where our word phobia comes from. And the word phobio means to put to flight by terrifying to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm. Think about a phobia. Um, uh, A phobia like fear of heights, not just a, a natural primal fear of heights, but a phobia where it paralyzes you and, and keeps you from doing things because of that terror. That's not of God. Another example of this phobia is what we see so much right now, which is panic attacks or anxiety attacks. That's not of God. He does not have that for us in our, in our abundant life. Now look at what 1 John 4.18 says. And the word that's in here four times, can't we go to the next scripture? This word Fear, we only underline it twice, but it's in there four times. That's the word phobia. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, that doesn't mean our perfect love. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect. That's the perfect love of God. The scripture right before this says God is love. That's his perfect love. The perfect love of God for us casts out fear. That word is phobio. That perfect love of God, and the word casts out, I looked it up, it means drives out or expels. The perfect love of God drives out anxiety. It drives out panic attacks. It drives out phobias. It drives out torment because and then it goes and it says because fear involves torment that's not of God but he who fears has not been made perfect in love I want to talk about that for a minute in my Bible I've got two versions in my Bible got the New King James side by side with the Amplified and in the New King James the title of this section says consummation of God's love. And then it's got this section about God is love and his perfect love casts out fear. And as I just thought about that, that title and the, and the section, it, it talks about intimacy with God. It talks about um, this, this love, coming to know his love happens through union and communion with God. It happens through intimacy. I looked up the word consummation in the dictionary today, 
And I, I didn't agree with the definition at all. Because the definition said something about a legal binding thing, legal binding agreement, when something is consummated. And I thought, uh-uh, I disagree. Kent and I were legally married 38 years ago. <laughs> but when we were legally married, we had a piece of paper that said we were legally married. But that's not when our marriage was consummated. Our marriage was consummated, and I know that this is just all of us agree. Marriage was consummated through intimacy, through love, through union and communion with one another. It wasn't consummated through that legal document. This scripture talks about God's consummation of love with us. And it's through intimacy. It's through union and communion with him. And this scripture says that that love is what casts out or drives out or expels phobia, torment, traumatic fear, panic, anxiety, phobias, fear of uh, uh, overbearing, um, suffocating fear of disease. Whatever that fear is, it's of the enemy. But God's perfect love drives it out. Now I'm going to tell you how I use this And I'm going to teach about this next week, but I'm just going to give you some little nuggets today because I don't want to leave you with nothing to take home. I use this whenever I feel overwhelmed with fear. I use this truth. And I know I'm loved. I know I'm loved, but we don't always feel it. Even though we know because the Bible says we're loved, we don't always feel God's love. So when I'm in fear, I purpose to declare God's love for me. I do it on purpose. So I literally say, I'm I'm feeling heaviness. I'm feeling oppression. I'm feeling fear. I'm going to talk about why in a minute. But I've got all that yucky stuff in my soul. And I just start saying, God, you love me. God, you love me. I'm your daughter. I'm your beloved. You love me. You love me so much. You demonstrated your love by sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, you loved me so much that you saw me as the prize when you were on the cross. You chose to die for me. And I just start speaking anything that God gives my heart to speak about his love for me. And for me, what happens is that that fear starts to dissipate. I've had it happen where it just leaves like that. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just gradual. It just dissipates little by little by little. But it does expel the fear. It does. When I meditate on God's love, it does cast it away. It does expel it. So that's a strategy. If you're fighting fear, first of all, you need intimacy with God if you don't have it. Pursue him. Pursue him. Worship him. Pursue him. But even if you don't feel his love, he does love you. And if you declare his love for you, that fear will just start to to wash off of you, like taking a shower and getting the dirt off. So that's the first kind of fear that the Bible talks about. The second one is the Greek word delia. And this word fear means timidity or cowardice or fearfulness, 
it's not that panic kind of fear. It's more the kind of fear like you're afraid to do something. Maybe you're afraid to talk to somebody. Maybe you're afraid to make that phone call. Maybe you're afraid to speak out against the, the world's view that everybody else is part of. Whatever it is, it's that cowardice kind of thing. I've dealt with this a lot in my life, in my heart. I don't want to be that kind of person. Well, God says I'm not. God says he did not give me a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. Mm-mm. And then there's a but. <laughs> I love that word in the Bible. But this is what he did give us. He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound judgment and personal discipline. Usually it says a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. Judgment, sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So here's the bottom line. If you have that kind of fear in your life, that cowardice, that timidity, God has given us everything we need to overcome it. He's given us power. Here's a scripture. Listen to this. Jesus spoke this to his followers. He said, look, are you, first of all, are you a follower of Jesus? Say yes. <laughs> okay, so this is for you. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snake and scorpions and crush them. And nothing will injure you. That's your word. That's my word. He's given us authority. He's given us power. The, there's been an exchange, guys. The enemy no longer has dominion over you. You have dominion over him. Sickness no longer has dominion over you. You have dominion over sickness and pain. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You have dominion over sin. We need to just take a stand and say, that's who I am. God didn't give me a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fearfulness. He gave me power and he gave me love. We just looked at the love scripture. The perfect love of God casts out all fear. He gave us the love of the Father. And he gave us soundness of mind. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, listen to this. The Bible says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Peace is the opposite of fear. Jesus bequeathed us peace. And it says in the scripture, he gives us perfect peace as our mind is stayed on him. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about where to put our thoughts and where not to put our thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. We have everything we need to stay strong in our mind. You know, Joyce Myers has that awesome teaching called the battlefield of the mind. That's where we really need to put our, our, our focus so that our focus is on God and Jesus and not on the problem. We trust in him. Keep our mind stayed on him, and we have perfect peace. So in this life, in this world, we have a choice to process every event, every issue under one side of the 
Second Timothy scripture or the other. The first half of the scripture says the spirit of fear. So we have a choice. We can either process the event through negative fear-based emotions or we can process events through positive faith-based emotions, including power, love, and a sound mind. We have a choice. We are not little robots that God put on the earth. He gave us personalities, gave us character. He gave us dreams. He gave us gifts. He gave us values. And mine are different than yours. And yours are different from the next person. But we all have preciousness in us because that's how he made us. But it's up to us to use what he gave us. And we have the choice. We can process things through fear or we can process issues and stuff in our life through faith. We have a choice. So here's, here's another concept that I've just been meditating on. It's just like wowing me. A paradigm is when you have uh, something set in your soul, in your head, in your heart, and it's just the way you've always seen things. I've had a paradigm shift because of this nugget I'm going to share with you next. And my prayer is that you have a paradigm shift too. Here it is. I've never taught this before. This is really exciting. Instead of fighting fear, we don't need to fight fear. Instead of fighting fear, we can be provoked to faith. Fear can provoke us to faith. When fear attacks, if fear attacks, instead of saying, I have to fight the enemy, I have to fight fear, I have to fight this demonic thing, instead of that, we can take a different view. We can have a paradigm shift and say, "Uh uh-uh. When fear attacks, that provokes me to faith. The word provoke means to call into action. To arouse, faith can be aroused, excited. You can be, it can be like a call to action. You don't need to fight fear. When you're provoked to faith, it's a completely different picture. Now listen to this. James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I always taught this in the past as three steps. First, submit to God, and then resist the devil, and he has to flee. But I've been listening to a new teacher who's just rocking my world, and he said, "Uh uh-uh. He says, submitting to God and resisting the devil are one step, not two. Because when you submit to God... When you go to Jesus, when you look at his word and his promises and all the good stuff he has for us, you are resisting the devil. You are being provoked to faith instead of fighting the devil. Devil's already been defeated anyway. But instead of that, you're going right to God. And you're submitting to him and his word. You're agreeing with him. And when you do, the enemy is resisted. And then he has to flee. He does flee. 
He has no power. You are uplifted in faith as you go to his word, as you go to him, as you go to Jesus. Isn't this good news? I mean, I have just been thinking about this over and over. It's It's like, I don't have to fight the devil. I don't have to fight fear. I just go to God. I just go to his word and his truth, and I agree with him. And the devil gets right back where he belongs, under my feet. He is resisted when we submit to God. It happens simultaneously. You don't have to do one and then the other. They happen together. Faith triumphs over fear. Faith triumphs over fear. Okay. I'm going to give you another great nugget. You can go to the next slide. And then I'm going to share my experience of fear and how every one of them was overcome with truth. Every time I experienced fear, it was defeated with truth. Because behind every fear, there's a lie. The acronym for fear, maybe you've heard this before. This is one way to define fear. It's false evidence appearing real. But boy, does it appear real. And that real thing is what sucks you in. It's the demonic thing. So I'm going to share right now several situations where fear has tried to suffocate me or capture me or whatever. And how behind every one of these there was a lie. And when God showed me the truth or when I received the truth, when the truth was given to me and I chose to say, I believe that truth, fear had to go. So the first experience where I was totally overwhelmed with fear was when I was first diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with melanoma, stage 4 melanoma, and then the symptoms came. Not before, but after. After I was diagnosed, symptoms and pain, I could feel the, the lymph nodes and, and that were enlarged. I, could, I had pain in many areas of my body. After I got the diagnosis, that was a lie. I know now that they were lying symptoms. They weren't real. It was a spirit of pain. It wasn't real. You're not without pain one day. You get a diagnosis and you're with pain the next. I didn't know that, though. And what that did to me, I had the diagnosis, which was the first thing that fed me fear. And then the symptoms came. And then the fear reared up its ugly head to the point where I was completely oppressed with fear. My friend Jenny, I, I was led to Jesus. I didn't even know Jesus when all that happened. When my friend led me to the Lord, she gave me the, the little nugget of truth. She said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. And I'd never done that. As I prepared this message, I realized what I was doing was James 4-7. I was submitting to God for the first time in my life. I didn't know how to fight fear. I didn't know how to fight cancer. I didn't know what I was doing. But I just showed up and sought God. And when I did, the enemy was resisted. And all of a sudden, fear dissipated, and I had a peace that passed all understanding. I didn't go searching for it. I didn't read and learn all about how to fight fear and get peace. That's just what happened. And I look back and I say, submit to God, and the enemy will be resisted, and he'll flee. And that's what happened. 
Now, I still had battles with fear, but they were attacks. It wasn't like that constant oppressive fear. That thing left. The second time I want to tell you about, or the second thing I want to tell you about, uh, is what I've, what I've come to see in myself, and also others agree, some, some um, patterns of attacks of fear that I've experienced and others have experienced. One of them is symptoms, because symptoms are, are scary. And when you have a symptom in your body, it's, you tend to say, oh, what is that? Is that this? Is that that? Is that this? I've learned not to do that. But that's one of the attacks, one of the, this, the patterns of the enemy's attack. Sometimes, very often, they're what I call lying symptoms. They're not even real. But the enemy, they sure seem real. They sure seem real. Behind every fear, there is a lie. Now, it might be a real thing in your body, but many times it isn't. It's a lying symptom or a spirit of pain. It's not even real. Another pattern of the enemy's attack is right before a test. If you're going to go have a test of some sort, it's like you're thinking about you want that good report, you want that report that lines up with God's report. I've taught on this before. It doesn't even matter because you have the final report. That's another whole teaching. But that's another time when fear often attacks. Another time that this one doesn't make sense to me, but it happens, and it happened to me many times, and that is after I get a good report, I have an attack of fear. doesn't make sense. But when you think about the enemy, you know, he's a deceiver. I have received the, the promise of God, and the enemy doesn't want me to have that thing. He doesn't want me to have that promise of God. So he does something to give me a symptom or something that just fear just rises up. It's ugly head. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me right after I was healed of stage 4 cancer. I had two surgeries, and both of them proved that I had no cancer. It was uh, in July, right after I was healed. Immediately after I had my second surgery and I was all clear and the doctor said no treatment needed and everything was awesome, I started having symptoms in my neck. When I was originally diagnosed, the cancer was in my um, groin, it was in my abdomen, it was in my um, back, it was in my lymphatic system, and it was in my neck. And when I had all those surgeries, I had surgeries in my abdomen and in my groin, but I didn't have any surgeries in my neck. So the enemy put symptoms in my neck. And I was consumed with fear, worse than any other time except at the very beginning. I had so much fear. And then God spoke to me. I woke up one morning, and I'm a baby Christian, totally a baby Christian. But I woke up one morning, and I had a scripture in my head, and the scripture was Deuteronomy 1. I'd never read Deuteronomy I was brand new Christian. I was reading the New Testament. So I read Deuteronomy 1. I got up and I read it. And the, the gist of this chapter of the Bible is it's almost a summary of the Exodus and all of the miracles and all of the signs and wonders that God did when he brought the Israelites out of captivity. And in this chapter, it talks about um, all of those miracles and then um, God talks to Moses, and he, and, he, and he says, okay, it's time to go enter the promised land. And the 12 tribes 
each send one, they call them a spy, one person to go check it out first. Ten or twelve people go to check out the promised land. And they all see the same thing. They all see the promised land. They all see the land of milk and honey and all the great stuff that's there. And they all see the giants. They all see the problem and the promise. They see it all. Ten of those spies, this is all in Deuteronomy 1, ten of those spies come back and their focus is on the problem. Their focus is on the, um, the giants. And they say, we're like little grasshoppers compared to the giants. There's no way that we can uh, conquer the promised land. Two of those ten, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same thing. But they didn't come back talking about the problem. They came back talking about the promise. And they said, it's amazing. It is a beautiful land of milk and honey. Yes, we can do it, God, with you. We can, we can overcome those giants, absolutely. And, and as we know now, because I didn't know then, but as I know now, only Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land. They saw the promise. They received the good report. They didn't receive the bad report. Nobody else went to the promised land. But then as I read this, I looked at myself. This is back when I had all that fear. I was having symptoms in my neck. I had all that fear. And I, looked, and I knew God was talking to me because he gave me that chapter. So I started to look at Cindy. And I said, I'm doing the same thing. God, you gave me miracle after miracle after miracle. You've proven your love to me. You healed this. You healed that. I was, doctors, you know, gave me a good report. You've carried me. You've taken care of me. You've loved me. You've, I've come into relationship with you. And here I am, worried about the this, this symptoms in my neck. I was focusing on the problem instead of all the good stuff that God had done. So I took this word that God had given to me. And there are two verses. I'm going to read them as they are in the Bible. And then I'm going to read the paraphrase that I, I wrote for myself to declare. So here is the two verses. It's Deuteronomy 1, starting with verse 29. And God is talking. He says, Then I said to you, Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. So I took that scripture and I paraphrased it. And this is the word that I have declared over myself for 15 years. He told me, he said, Cindy, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid of recurring cancer. For I will continue to fight for you, just as I did when I first healed your body of cancer before your very eyes. You saw how I carried you, the way a father carries his child. And I will continue to go ahead of you on your journey. That's my promise. I started declaring that word. I started just meditating and declaring that promise. I said, I don't want to be like the ten spies. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb. I'm keeping my eyes on you, God. And I just just 
let that word just love me. My God loving me, saying, Cindy, I'm here. You don't need to worry. Don't be. And he said, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. I said, okay. Daddy, you said you carry me the way a father carries his child. And you're going to keep doing that. You're going to keep going ahead of me on my journey. That's my word. Those symptoms that were in my body left. Didn't happen overnight. It took months. But gradually, over time, those symptoms left. So there was another example of fear. It was a lie. The truth God gave me reversed the lie. The truth triumphs. Faith triumphs over fear. Um, the next example, I've got two more examples I want to share. And the next example is happened in 2010. It was another issue with my neck. I went, um, first of all, first of all, um, it was December of 2009, and God had put a book on my heart about keeping your healing. And it took me a long time to say yes, because I didn't think I wanted to write another book right then. <laughs> and um, I won't say yes to God unless I mean yes. So even though I knew I was being led to write that book about keeping your healing, it's called Healed for Life, I didn't say yes until I was ready to commit. And I did that in December of 2009. And then in January of 2010, I went in for my yearly exam, and they found a lump in my neck. And it was like the devil was just spitting in my face saying, yeah, you're going to write a book about keeping your healing? Ha, ha, ha. Let me show you. I just, it was just, you know, that's the enemy. He just, here's the bait. Cindy, you're going to take the bait? So that was January. To make a long story short, I did nothing. I I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't tell anybody except Kent. I kept it to myself for until April. By then, I was consumed with fear because it didn't go away. I was declaring the word. I was believing God. I was standing strong, but that wasn't going away. And I was consumed with fear. I wasn't sleeping. I was waking up in the night, feeling my neck. I was having almost panic attacks. I was consumed with fear. Um, finally, I went and I went to my mentor, Jenny, and I talked to her. And she said, why didn't you say something before? You needed somebody to stand in faith with you. And I went through the rest so much better because then I had people standing with me and agreeing with me and it just, it was like all that fear went bye-bye when I got some help. I needed another, I needed help. And that's okay. That's totally okay. After I finished the whole thing and I was completely well, completely no cancer, I got myself back on track. Then I wrote the book and God, I had so much more in me because of that experience because I, I had lived through it. And the whole book is about how I overcame that, that season of my life. And I stayed healed. Jesus didn't die for me to get healed and lose it. He said, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. It's done. It's finished. The last example I want to share are ongoing symptoms 
I have ongoing symptoms. I have learned to take those ongoing symptoms and not put my eyes on them. Whenever there's symptoms in my body, oh, it's, it's, you know, the enemy wants me to take the bait. I had a conference in, uh, it was two winters ago, I believe. And before the conference, I had symptoms in my abdomen. I had that, those lymph node things, lymph nodes and large lymph nodes and, and pain in those lymph node areas. Didn't tell anybody except one prayer partner and my pastor, and they prayed for me. They didn't go away. Those symptoms didn't go away. I went to the conference. It was in L.A., and I remember we were, um, uh, I was preparing in prayer. I was in the chapel. I, was, I went with my Bible and my worship and, and you know, my, my notes for teaching. And I was just going to go subtle and soak with God. I couldn't. I, the symptoms were so big. I couldn't ignore them. The enemy was having a heyday. I went, I got up, I went to start the conference And as soon as I started teaching, as soon as I started ministering, as soon as I started praying, all those symptoms melted away. Immediately. Behind every fear is a lie. We can take the lie, we can buy the lie, or we can say no to that lie. We can keep on keeping on. Going to God, believing God, submitting to God, and Resisting the enemy when you submit to God. And he has to flee. He might not flee right away, but he has to flee. So you might think, you know, Cindy never has fear. Oh, yeah. You might say, Cindy never has symptoms and has to fight them. Oh, yes, I do. I just don't tell you all that stuff. But it happens. So next week, we're going to look at six practical applications. Six things to just Seek God, surrender to God, but there's specific ways, and then just watch the enemy run. Turn and flee. Okay, let's worship. You probably know this song. It's, I am no longer a slave to fear. That's not who I am. I am God's kid. I'm a daughter of God, and you're either a daughter or a son. We are no longer slaves to fear. So let's stand up and declare who we are and whose we are.